Russian propagandists responded to the horrible earthquake in Turkey and Syria? How do they threaten European cities with missile attacks? And why do they try to devalue the idea of a tribunal against Putin and his regime? You're listening to the podcast Explaining Ukraine. This is our special series Propaganda Diary, in which we analyze key topics of the Russian information war against Ukraine and the rest of the world. My name is Volodymyr Yermolenko. I'm a Ukrainian philosopher and journalist, chief editor of UkraineWorld.org. My guests are Ukraine World analysts Alona Hryshko and Anastasia Heresimchuk. Explaining Ukraine is a podcast by UkraineWorld.org, a website in English about Ukraine, brought to you by Internews Ukraine. You can support us at patreon.com slash ukraineworld. You can also support our humanitarian trips to the frontline areas at paypal, ukraine.resisting.gmail.com. Hello, Alona. Hello, Anastasia. Thank you so much for joining this conversation again. We continue our series Propaganda Diary, and we will talk about several issues which were raised by the Russian propaganda, Russian propaganda machine during this week. And the first thing that we can notice is how the Russian propaganda reacted to the EU-Ukraine summit. This is a very important event that we discussed in our uh, other series around Ukraine uh, in a previous episode. So EU-Ukraine summit, a very important event in which the EU showed its full support to Ukrainian EU integration, to Ukrainian EU accession, but also showed its support during the war. And uh, it seems that the EU is standing behind Ukraine, even in in issues which, which are supposedly beyond uh, EU image, meaning the support of the uh, Ukrainian military resistance. But the Russian propaganda presented it differently, as far as I understand from your analysis. Alona, can you develop uh, on it? Yes, hello, Volodya. Um... To be honest, the summit uh, regarding the Ukraine's membership in the European Union was one of the most discussed theme in the Russian propaganda media sphere because Kyiv hosted the first Ukrainian summit since uh, uh, we started the war. It was unexpected, taking into account the fact that um, a huge number of representatives from the European Union, I mean European commissioners, come to Ukraine and were not afraid of uh, the current situation with the war. So uh, from one side, it seems that they uh, were quite unsafe and they feel this safe from the fact that Ukraine can protect them uh, in case if something might happen during this summit. And uh, from the other side, we see that EU promises military and financial support. So this is a kind of uh, the way that we were expected as Ukrainians to receive from this summit. Uh, but Russian propaganda told that Ukraine is going to be in a short time a bankrupt and this uh, European summit won't affect any way on the perspective of Ukrainian membership in the European Union. So uh, they try to show that this is just somehow the event which was included into agenda of the European Union representatives when they just come to take several photos uh, to uh, meet Ukraine's president, Mr. Zelensky, and uh, that's all. So nothing is going to be expected uh, or anything we might have received regarding uh, future negotiations with the European Union for our membership. And in this way, it's quite interesting that uh, our prime minister, uh, Schmigel, uh, he said that uh, Ukraine is going to be um, to fulfill all the obligations under um, 
this negotiation process uh, for two years. Uh, on the opposite, the uh, Russian propaganda said that Ukraine can't expect to be a member of the European Union in the short terms because, uh, let's make this as a quote, uh, they do nothing except uh, ask to receive more money and they don't plan to return this money as credits, as loans that received from the European Union. So this is the statement that were truly um, shared by different Russian media platforms. And who's the statement it is? Who said that? Oh, it was uh, discussed uh, uh, from different Russian propagandists. Um, if we are talking about uh, like the top Russian propagandist, I might say that something similar to that was Iman the uh, Solovyov. I guess he is one of those who started to talk about this, the first one, but we understand that this is uh, this is his work. He can't do anything with that. Okay, uh, Nastya, can you also help us understand whether the Russian propagandists consider this kind of big EU support as a threat to them? Do you see uh, there are some notes that they are saying, okay, you see that Actually, Russia is waging the war against the whole West and and EU is not afraid of coming to Ukraine and, and therefore uh, pumping Ukraine with money and therefore we are actually not waging the war against Ukraine but against the European Union, America, something like that. Uh, were such mes- messages present in this discourse? Yes, Volody, exactly. Um, first of all, it's important to uh, emphasize that Russians... Uh, trying to devaluate devalue the uh, such events as uh, EU Ukraine summit first of all they show their fear uh, they are afraid of the uh, actually Ukrainian membership in the EU so they uh, there is an interesting tendency here they try to devalue such events and such actions by Ukrainian western partners but at the same time, they say that uh, it's so threatening to Russia and um, the Western supports for Ukraine is not for nothing, actually. That's the covert plan of collective, the collective West to destroy Russia. And that's why they are uh, giving money to Ukraine and uh, imitate support to Ukraine just uh, to make the war against Russia. Uh, and in this regard, very important. Uh, it is very important to mention this weapons component. Uh, Russians keep saying that um, new weapons that Ukraine will receive from the Western partners will not change anything on the ground. They are trying to show it. They are trying to convince their public in it. But uh, on the other hand, at the same time, uh, we hear. Uh, from their um, programs and we read on their news websites that it's actually NATO's direct interference into the world. So now Russia, they claim, now they can officially say that NATO fights on the Ukrainian side and it's actually not Ukraine Russia is fighting on the ground, it's NATO. And their their proof is quite, um, you know, weird and surprising. They say that Ukrainians cannot um, learn how to use these new weapons very fast. In this case, Western states have no other choice 
other than sending uh, their troops to Ukraine. So Ukraine, uh, as they say, Ukrainians can pretend that they fight as long as, as they can. But in fact, it's not possible to master this difficult, complex uh, uh, weaponry. That's why they are sure that uh, NATO mercenaries are fighting uh, in Ukraine. And that's actually interesting. They counter, um, uh, they, they say things that are not coherent. They controverse each other, uh, themselves. They send uh, several messages. On the one hand, they say it's not dangerous. On the other hand, they say, yes, it's dangerous and NATO countries are waging, war, waging wars, war against us. Yeah, actually, this message that there are NATO soldiers, that they have seen Afro-Americans fighting for Ukrainian army, that they have seen um, soldiers with Polish passports, that was, of course, present since 2014. So they try to uh, make a kind of a mirror reflection of what Ukrainians were saying about the Eastern Ukraine, saying that, look, there are Russian soldiers there and not the not the volunteers from Donetsk and Luhansk. Russians were reacting to that, saying, okay, on the other side, there is, it, it is not Ukrainians who are fighting, but the NATO soldiers. Of course, this was fake. This was uh, a clear lie. Uh, NATO countries are very much trying to avoid any possibility that their citizens are taking part physically in this war, as we know, and they are, they are really caring about the security of their own citizens. But the more they help Ukraine, the more it gives, uh, you know, fertile ground for, for the Russian propaganda to tell, to say that, look, we were right. So uh, it's, it's like self-fulfilling prophecy, right? So the more they attack Ukraine, the more there is help from the West, the more they're saying that this is the war against the West. And of course, when the German tanks will appear on the front line with German crosses, and uh, we all remember from our childhood, how these German crosses were depicted uh, in, in the images of the Second World War, which were presented as Nazi crosses, which was not true, obviously. But, uh, but of course, it will give another fertile ground for, for the Russian propaganda, which actually means that the West has already engaged into this war on the side of Ukraine, and there is no way back. So there is no way back to say that, no, 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 we will rather disengage. I think it is clear, and, and the more um, that we see Russian propaganda, the more we see that for them uh, it is already the war against the West, and if they win in this war, they will tell that, look, we will, we will continue other wars against the West. So let us turn to this point. How, Alona, uh, my question to you, how the Russian propaganda is portraying other plans? For example, are they saying about... Uh, their willingness, their ambitions to attack other European countries, other NATO countries. What is in their megalomanic, globalistic view of this war? Because we remember uh, all the time from 2014, they were saying that, look, we will attack Berlin, we will attack Washington, we will attack London with ballistic mi missiles, that we will again partition Poland, Poland. So these were the messages which were present from the very beginning, from 2014. Um, what is interesting, maybe what is changing now? 
Volodya, to be honest, in this way, their rhetoric has become even more aggressive. So in case if in 2014 they have been like hypothetical, told about the possibility to attack the cities, right now on different media channels like uh, that program, Evening with uh, Solovyov, where is a huge amount of so-called uh, Russian experts has been invited, have been invited, um, we see uh, different kind of discussions on this topic with the real threat. So except the fact that they are mm, discuss the possibility to attack the European and uh, other um, continents, um, Russians start to think about what kind of weapons, so I mean what kind of missiles they can use to attack these uh, cities, countries. And in this way, even there are um, experts who are calculating the approximate time when uh, the Russian missile can achieve the target in that country. So I, I mean, when there was a long discussion with the uh, Russian um, representatives who were talking that uh, it would take like um, seven seconds, I think, to achieve one of the capital of the European countries. So they really uh, try to um, attack like to they they try to uh, show this possibility they are um, reviewing this scheme of what country would be the first target i mean uh, it depends on what kind of support this country has been providing to ukraine i in this way i'm talking about like if uh, uh, germany promise to give some weapons so let's berlin be the first to target and uh, in this way this would take like two minutes to get to berlin and destroy it fully i think this is um, some kind of way that russia use in case they are uh, trying to um how does it say uh to scare um those countries who provide support to Ukraine in the best possible way. I mean, not only financial, but military. Uh, it's the key point. Uh, where is the topic for a Russian propagandist to think and to um, calculate these uh, targets? Right. So it's interesting to understand whether these messages are directed to the foreign audience or, or they're, they're directed to the local audience. So are they directed to people to in Germany to scare them or to people inside Russia to tell that Russia is invincible and it, in any case it will be able to make this uh, huge apocalyptic attack on Western cities. What do you think, Alona? I think that uh, Russia is um, alone being prepared its um, position as one of the strongest country in the world, uh, um, the country that protects everything and the country that can be as a guarantee for the future security uh, of the whole world. And in case if they are talking about the possibility to attack big uh, capitals, big cities and other countries, uh, they are just trying to uh, explain their uh, local citizens that uh, it's a big, huge and strong country. I don't think that somebody abroad uh, might truly believe in this. Yeah, definitely. There is um, the possibility that... Uh, 
uh, Russia is like um, thinking of attacking another countries. But all these messages mostly focus on their um, national audience because in some ways they um, they are obliged to um, they are obliged to support this uh, image of a very strong, powerful country which uh, can protect everything and which guarantee this. Uh, um, security uh, of the whole world. And security can't be built without uh, Russian participation at all. Yeah, and following the Russian logic, the best thing to guarantee uh, security of the world is to shell the world with big missiles and uh, threaten it with the nuclear weapons. That actually what we have seen in, in Ukraine when Russians are saying we will protect Russian speakers in Kharkiv and therefore we will shell them with crowds and uh, with missiles and with artillery. This is something already described long time ago by Orwell. Russians are really changing the means of words and turning them upside down. War and peace, war is peace, uh, slavery is freedom, etc. Nastya, let me address uh, you. Uh, you're living in Turkey, in Istanbul, and uh, you're, you're working with us uh, for Ukraine world but you are living in another country as uh, some of our other colleagues. And uh, let me ask you about this horrible earth earthquake. Of course, this is one of the most incredibly horrible, uh, devastating, tragic events in, in the past decades. Uh, according to the data we have now, about 16,000 people have been killed in, in Turkey and, and Syria. And all our condolences to Turkish and Syrian people. We've discussed this with Maxim in our previous episode about the uh, geopolitical international situation around this. How uh, how much in Ukrainian social networks we have seen condolences to Turkish and Syrian people. How uh, we have seen the flowers brought to to the to the embassies in Kiev. How we have seen the readiness of the of Ukraine to supply rescue workers to. To these places, the the messages of President Zelensky of of Minister Kuleba, this was a big reaction. But uh, how did the Russian propagandists reacted to this tragedy? Uh, that's true, Volodya. Ukrainians um, Ukrainians expressed their condolences, and Ukrainians understand very well what. Uh, pain and tragedy really is, and we are really uh, shocked by the scale of what's happened in Turkey and this earthquake was it, it ruined lives of thousands of people um, regarding Russian propaganda they were controversial messages at the beginning for example one of the main propagandists uh, Russian propagandists Vladimir Solovyov uh, he mentioned that Russians are not so much sorry for Turks because Turks doesn't help um, Russia. But afterwards, their rhetoric has changed a bit. Uh, they um, adjusted it to the general line of the whole world. What's interesting here is uh, to observe the reaction of ordinary Russian people. I guess it can be a telling example of the effectiveness of Russian propaganda because Russians, uh, from their screens from the radio from printed media they are disseminating hatred towards everyone and uh, this um, rhetoric 
which Russia is disseminating, it kills uh, human beings in so many Russians. And if you read uh, Russian uh, communities in social media, for example, their reactions to this terrible earthquake was something like, um, we aren't sorry for Turkish people, they say. Or uh, some people say it's punishment from heaven to Turkey because they support, uh, because Turks sell weapons to Ukraine, for example. Some Russians also use uh, derogative language to describe these things. For example, some of them, they not just say uh, that Turkish people died. They ask if only Turkish people perished and they express that they hope that Russians haven't suffered from that. So it's quite telling about um, the country itself and the result of this um, hatred dissemination. And when we talk about good Russians, we should remember that they are uh, poisoned by these aggressive messages that are spread not only by the mouthpieces, but it's a general line of the state itself. Yeah, we hope, of course, that not Rus- not all Russians are spreading these messages, so it's, it's a part of Russian uh, social media bubble. But indeed, this climate of hatred is, is not only present in the, let's say, official propaganda, people like Solovyov, who is um, an embodiment of this cynicism and, uh, and hatred and, uh, and aggressiveness. But also, unfortunately, Nastya, you're right, uh, it, is, it is present... Um, among ordinary citizens, uh, some some portion of the ordinary citizens who are uh, present in social networks and who are kind of poisoned with this uh, with this hatred to other nations. Uh, Alona, you wanted to add something? Yeah, I would like to add um, to Nasta's statement that um, from one side, as we've heard, this was a punishment for supporting Ukraine, and from the other side, there was also some. Russians who told that, uh, who stated, like cynically stated, that the earthquake was arranged by the United States, that uh, America arranged this for uh, Erdogan's uh, refusal, um, or that the United States um, definitely used the uh, earthquake as uh, the way to solve the problem. And in addition, uh, some Russians do not believe even that the tragedy occurred in Turkey because uh, there is some snow uh, on the video and photo that we saw after this earthquake. And they continue. Uh, they started to uh, say that this is like um, there is no snow in the country. It's impossible because this is Turkey. So you see something similar we see in this situation with the Ukrainian um, side when uh, Russians start to, to say that um, Russians do not attack Ukrainian civilians, it's not Ukraine, etc., etc. This is the same thing that we see when the first results of Russian missile attacks, so there was a huge amount of photos. And there's also Russians who told this is not Ukraine. This is something like a, a fully destroyed city, but it's not Ukrainian territory. Yeah, interesting, interesting and horrible at the same time. Uh, let's move maybe to, to the last question and the question of uh, punishment for Russian crimes. There was developments on, on this side. Uh, there was increasing talk about the special tribunal for, uh, for Putin, for, for the crime of aggression, but also for other crimes that Russia has committed. 
and um, there were several resolutions from the European Parliament, from the Parliamentary Assembly of the Council of Europe, which are supporting this idea. And uh, it seems that there is already a, a political discussion about this, and it is quite possible then in some time this tribunal will be established. How does the Russian propaganda react to this idea, to this idea of a new Nuremberg trial against uh, the Russian leaders, the Russian soldiers, the Russian commanders, and maybe against the Russian propagandists as well? Nastya, maybe you will uh, you will uh, you will try to analyze this. Yes, let's try to look at it from different sides. Uh, the more decisive uh, European leaders become uh, regarding um, establishing a tribunal, the more actions are made. Uh, the more Russians talk about uh, this tribunal. And uh, again, they use their favorite tactics of devaluating such actions, telling that it will not work, which is again a clear sign of their fear. And uh, what's interesting here, um, we can analyze not only Russian propaganda. Russian propaganda um, pushes forward these messages, pushes forward the idea of uh, tribunal being futile. The most important here is to listen to Russian officials. They are trying to find legal explanations of why tribunal will not work. Uh, so many representatives of Russian parliament, the um, press secretary of Russian president, they either say that we will not discuss it, we will not give any comments because it doesn't make sense to even talk about it. Such a stupid idea it is, they say. Some other representatives of uh, Russian uh, authorities, they say that um, establishing this tribunal is not realistic uh, because it's uh, not possible to impose the jurisdiction of this tribunal on Russians. So um, by the amount of messages regarding this tribunal, we understand that Russians are worried about the consequences. But at the same time, they are trying to pretend they don't pay attention to it because it will not change anything for them. And that's an interesting feature of Russian propaganda. Uh, the more dire situation is becoming for them, um, the more calm they're trying to seem. Interesting, interesting. So they're trying to really to hide uh, the problem and to hide themselves behind they are um, maybe their illusions and and that's maybe also one of the uh, lessons of this war that russians are kind of uh, victims of their own propaganda of their own illusionary world that they have constructed around themselves alona you can add something yeah i would like to um to tell like uh, a short um explanations that I find quite interesting from the Russian political scientist Alexei Martinov, uh, that he said that um, the Western countries need to raise um, uh, like higher and higher this price, Some, something like that for their support to Ukraine. And after all, uh, he said that what is happening in Ukraine or uh, in European countries, meaning that rising inflation and jumping prices uh, all of that led to the fact that uh, European countries no longer ready to support refugees from Ukraine. 
And in this uh, way, um, he saw that, um, like, uh, uh, all that we see this tribunal is for is just to explain the European citizens that uh, what has happened in their countries, like why rising inflation because of Ukraine, why jump in prices because of Ukraine. So nobody's going to talk that this is the reason of uh, Russian invasion into Ukraine and uh, the those number of refugees it's not by our desire to um to go for a trip to european countries it's all the results of russian aggression but in uh, russia they saw that this all the reason for this tribunal just using explaining the problems that occurred in uh, european countries and this is quite interesting because uh, um in this, in this sense, in sitting such hatred towards Russians must be converted into something. So they are blaming um, West for so-called Russophobia. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I think it's important, yes, to, to say that uh, they're, they're trying actually to see some hidden motivation behind the uh, behind the western governments because this is how the russian government works it says one thing and it 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 actually seeks the other thing and of course we understand that in in democratic governments there is also a huge problem of that uh, this lack of transparency lack of uh, a lack of trust uh, lack of sincerity but at the same time it is it is i mean for us it is clear that uh, the, uh, the democratic world understands finally that one of the clear problems of this Russian world, the so-called Russian world, is the problem of impunity. And this is something that Ukrainians are trying to convey uh, all the time, the, um, our, our friends and allies around the world, that basically one of the reasons, one of the causes of this war is impunity of the leadership uh, of the Russian empire and then which transformed itself into Soviet Union, uh, at least since the Stalinism. So the, the class of people who won the big war inside Soviet Union uh, was uh, a class of NKVD, NKVD and, and later KGB. And this class of people is now ruling Russia. KGB is now ruling Russia. So they, they are direct heirs of the NKVD who was killing people without any trials, uh, any any judgment, any any justice in in the thirties, and these people are now in power in Russia, and uh, their feeling of impunity that they will do something to others, be other people, and they will not have anything for that, they will not have justice for that. This is of course one of the driving forces of the Russian invasion against Ukraine, and this should be stopped. And therefore, the question of justice is so so clear and so key, so 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 fundamental. For all of us, and and therefore, of course, Russians are trying to, Russian propagandists are trying to say that this is not possible, this will not happen, and impunity will prevail. Okay, thank you, Nastya and Alona, for this conversation, uh, and thank you very much for your analysis, for your deep diving into the Russian propaganda discourse. I know this is uneasy. This is a very psychologically difficult task. Uh, so, thank you for your strength and. Uh, yeah, and, and, and good and deep analysis. This was a podcast explaining Ukraine by Ukraine World, our serious uh, propaganda diary. 
I was with Anastasia Herasimchuk and Alena Hryshko. My name is Volodymyr Yermolenko, Chief Editor of Ukraine World. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and don't forget to support us at patreon.com slash Ukraine World. You can also support our volunteer humanitarian trips to eastern and southern parts of Ukraine and northern parts of Ukraine, deoccupied territories at paypal, ukraine.resisting.gmail.com. Stay with us and stand with Ukraine.